All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and why can't I get some magical windows? Right? Right, like, how awesome would that be? And I I love the little tidbit where it was like, yeah, the the, the janitors or whatever, they, they, were, they were pissed off or they wanted a raise, so they made it a, a hurricane for two months. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Oh my gosh, I mean- oh. Welcome to welcome to the magical world where you think everything is good except everybody has power. Yes. So um you know, everyone's on equal playing field. Yes, yes which exactly. Is great. Oh my gosh. Well, it is quite a wonderful little adventure that we get to go on here in this chapter, chapter seven. Here we are, Chapter 7, The Ministry of Magic. The door of the telephone box sprang open, and Mr. Weasley stepped out of it, followed by Harry, whose mouth had fallen open. They were standing at one end of a very long and splendid hall with a highly polished dark wood floor. The peacock blue ceiling was inlaid with gleaming golden symbols that were continually moving and changing like some enormous heavenly notice board. The walls on each side were paneled in dark, shiny wood and had many gilded fireplaces set into them. Every few seconds, a witch or wizard would emerge from one of the left-hand fireplaces with a soft whoosh. On the right-hand side, short queues of wizards were forming before each fireplace, waiting to depart. Halfway down the hall was a fountain. A group of golden statues, larger than life, stood in the middle of a circular pool. Tallest of them all was a noble-looking wizard, with his wand pointing straight up in the air. Grouped around him were a beautiful witch, a centaur, a goblin, and a house elf. The last three were all looking adoringly up at the witch and wizard. Glittering jets of water were flying from the ends of two wands, the point of the centaur's arrow, the tip of the goblin's hat, and each of the house elves' ears, so that the tinkling hiss of falling water was added to the pops and cracks of apparators and the clatter of footsteps as hundreds of witches and wizards, most of whom were wearing glum early morning looks, strode toward a set of golden gates at the far end of the hall. Did you get somewhat of an icky feeling from the statue at the center of uh, the waterfall or the water fountain, whatever? Slightly, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and this is, you know, it's so odd because obviously as the ministry takes, oh, as as bad things happen in the ministry and like darker, yeah. more... Um, you know, the pure blood fascination and yeah, yeah. everything. Obviously things even change even more. So I do I if if there wasn't little like jets and gleaming stuff happening from any of the magical creatures, mm-hmm. I would feel really, really icky. Um But in general I think they also put them at height. Yeah. So that is difficult, but in but in general, yeah, you get a little ick, but you know it just gets worse. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's get into it, and then I think we'll I'll continue this conversation. Yeah, yeah. In a little bit. Okay, cool. Perfect. All right. So let's get into the show. Let's do it. 
I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. as I said earlier, today we're going to be covering chapter seven of the Order of the Phoenix, the Ministry of Magic. In this chapter, Arthur Weasley takes Harry to his workplace, the Ministry of Magic, because he has his hearing about his underage wizardry. And Harry, of course, gets to see the Ministry building for the first time, gets to see what everything looks like. And for those of us who obviously have watched the movies, we get to read about the things that we got to beautifully see on screen as well. So it's really just the building is what we, you know, how to get to the building and what the building's like uh, is pretty much the gist of this chapter. But friends, before we get into any analysis, we do want to remind you that this podcast and all of our podcasts are sponsored by jointhenerdclan.com. If we bring you Lumos and a little time of Knox, head on over there for as little as $2 a month. You could keep our podcast studio rocking and rolling. We are not owned by a conglomerate like the Ministry of Magic. Okay, because let's be real. The Daily Prophet is like, you know, run and owned by these people. So we all We're know- more the quibbler. Than, than <laughs> we the- are totes the quibbler. <laughs> we are the quibbler. So if you're all four more quibblers in the world, and if you enjoy things at Mary and Blake Media, um, we we are so grateful for those of you who are Actually, already our patrons right. there. We're, we're the quibbler. With a quibbler. With a quibbler. With a quibbler. With with a New England quibbler. <laughs> That's what it is. There you go. That's Blake. our shirt. That's our new That's shirt. That's our shirt. The New, New England, England quibbler. quibbler. <laughs> Mary and Blake Media. The New England quibbler. <laughs> oh, that is great. Head on over. <laughs> we may need to make those into stickers yes. and send them to some of our nerd clan friends. I would love that. As a matter of fact, you know, that's, Mary that's, and I were talking. We were we were uh, trying to get to a goal of 900 members over at jointhenerdclan.com. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing: if we get 900, uh, if if we get 900 mm-hmm. members, I will make those stickers and I will send them out to anybody who wants it. I love it. Uh, well, that's what we'll do. We'll make it the okay. New England Quibla, and then Mary and Blake Media. Perfect. And then I'll send it to whoever wants it. Perfect. So. Go to jointhenerdclan.com, join, and you'll get yourself that. See, I love how these things happen organically. Me too. I love this. This is great. Oh, I love it too. Well, thanks, Blake. Awesome. (laughs) All right. So as I said, you know, that's what this chapter is here about. It is time to get into our analysis. All right. So, all right. So uh, this chapter is an interesting chapter because it has to, this chapter is the one that convinces me that the author knew a lot as we get into the series. Like this is the one mm-hmm. where I say, okay, I get it now. I, I I think like how we said in the a couple of episodes ago, I feel like she had probably like she did the first one clearly, but then I, I think once she got to the second one, there was a, a clear idea for the next two or three. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're building up to Voldemort. Yes. And then now this book is the one that serves as kind of a, a rebirth, if you will, of mm-hmm. Harry Potter. And this is the one where you find the foundation for the rest of the series. Where I mean, we're talking about, obviously, Sirius and his story and how all they're all related. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Dementors and how... Uh, Harry gets attacked by them again. We're talking about Rufus Scrimgeour. We're talking about the Department of Mysteries. Like, this is the one where, like, you get introduced, the book, rather, is where you get introduced to all the major ideas and and 
people and plot that are either that that are going to either severely impact this book or at least this the rest of the series. Yes. Right. Uh, and I'm convinced, especially after the whole locket being found thing. Yeah, this is when I think the author has a very clear idea for the next three books mm-hmm. or two books, whatever. I concur, Blake. So she, that's just my opinion. And the other one that that kind of alludes to this idea is the the statue that we talked about. Because later on, when when bad things start happening, and you know the Death Eaters start taking over the ministry. They adjust that statue and they have it so that, you know, the wizards are on the top and the muggles are on the bottom. And and like, like th- this statue is put here for a very specific purpose. Yeah. And we're introduced to it so that we can have that payoff later on. Right. Mm-hmm. So you said you got an icky feeling from it. I got an icky feeling from it, too. But would you care to amplify on your icky feeling at all or... Um, I mean, in general, who run the world girls. So I kind of hate that, you know, the wizard is the one that's at the tippity top, but whatever. I mean, uh, sure. Maybe he's just naturally taller. Okay, fine. But obviously the two humans, the two, the witch and wizard are standing there and the centaur, the goblin and the elf are adoringly looking up at them. Yeah. And I kind of just wish that, you know... Things had been that, like, maybe they were all smiling at each other. You know, everyone was looking at someone different smiling or holding a hand or something. But on the flip side, I mean, if you think of, like, the stubbornness and the pride of the centaurs, the centaur isn't going to be like, here, hold my hoof, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) um, And then the goblins, too, like, they're kind of stuck in their ways. So part of me is happy that they do have these magical creatures yes um all of whom are able to do magic in their own rights in their own abilities yeah well if anything goblin and elf magic is far more powerful than wizard magic right i mean maybe not but i mean well, we've discussed that we have it's it's interesting right it's it's interesting and, and i would love to like delve into that in someday in the Potterverse of like who like what made them not be able to be equals or better than yeah i mean well i think that i think that just is a natural state of mm-hmm. humanity kind of like mm-hmm. we all kind of look to be uh equal but some are more some people are more equal than others mm-hmm. uh i think that's just a natural state and i mean that is what it is right and if you have the ability to create these things you're like and the ministry of magic and all this it's technically called the the fountain of magical brethren yeah sure whatever but this this fountain absolutely gives me yeah we're all equal but some are more equal than others feel right because well, and Albus Dumbledore even quotes that. He says, the fountain that we destroyed tonight told a lie. The wizards have mistreated and abused our fellows for far too long. Right. And we are now reaping our reward. So, like, it's it's not equal. You know, they are adoringly in the statues looking up at them. And that's what I'm sad about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it gives me icky feelings because, yes, they're all in this statue and yes, there are these streams of water coming out of these, you know, out of the tip of the arrow and the mm-hmm. h- how selfie is, whatever. But it just feels like 
we're still putting ourselves up above everybody else and that they're all looking up yeah. adoringly when, like, at the witch and the wizard. a centaur and a goblin would never do that. A house yeah. elf hit or miss, right? House yeah, elves sure. may do that if they feel like they're, say it's like a creature, for example, ones who are like, are proud of their service to yeah. the wizards. But a Dobby would not be like, let me adoringly look up at the Malfoys. And as I said, yeah, the but I also think centaurs, that Dobby is, is, a, is, a, no, is an I, exception to the rule. But I agree, like, okay, if it was Harry Potter as a statue of, yeah, you'd have to be, yeah. but, but definitely centaurs and goblins would not be looking up adoringly. They think, yeah. they think they are better in many ways than humans, than sure. witches and wizards. and they probably so like, are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's definitely. <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's, it's such a joke in this chapter that the centaur's office is abandoned. And if you, mm-hmm. if you have to go to the centaur's office, that means you're getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Well, as I was saying, Mary, I, I think this chapter is an, is, an a, is, a, is an interesting chapter because it has a couple of different jobs, right? It has to introduce you to uh, the, the, the Ministry of Magic, right? Mm-hmm. And it has to set the tone for some future places in this book that we are definitely getting to. Like, we get introduced to the, to the Department of Mysteries for a very specific reason, mm-hmm. right? It also sets up the relationships uh that are within the order of the phoenix but they cannot exist that way outside of the order of the phoenix like the whole conversation between kingsley shacklebolt and arthur weasley i find that fascinating agreed right and and at the same time we still have to get into harry's perspective of okay how am i feeling about all of this and what's happening in my sense, Mary, and I, I can't wait to get your thought on this, is like Harry is just almost in a sense of shock where he's just like, oh, okay, I'm, I guess this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Ministry of Magic now. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to listen to Arthur. And it's just I, I got that sense that he was just in a, in a haze as this was all happening. Yeah, I think uh, this is very Gryffindor and how to react to potential danger you know what i mean like he's brave enough that he gets up i mean he wakes up right away as he said it was like someone yelled his name you know he's that awake he's not hungry but he's also not a blubbering mess crying he's not trying to find out like how can i fake this can i can i be sick can someone else come do this for me um but he is almost in a state of uh like forced calm upon him yeah and it's that's how I often feel when I'm in situations that are very big or very scary. So, like on the morning of our wedding, for example, like a lot of people, like you were a blubbering mess. Oh right? God, I was not a that you didn't want to marry me, but just you were like so overwhelmed. And like I was just cool as a cucumber, but almost too much so. And I felt yeah. the same way when I was graduating from college. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was the the student speaker, and I went to the University of Rhode Island, so a giant university. You've got like twelve thousand people there that I'm speaking in front of, and my parents were like, "Wow, you're just so calm." And I was mellow though. It yeah. wasn't like calm and pleasant. It was. Right, I've got to do this. And you know, Blake, when we go through difficult situations of yeah. of being scared in our house or or any kind of, you know, minor emergency, I get into like forced calm mode sure. where I almost have zero emotion. Yes. And I don't know if that's a Gryffindor trait, just because it's like we have to be brave and we have to keep doing this and we have to minimize it's like a Jedi, okay? You're just gonna <laughs> minimize your feelings. <laughs> no! You gotta minimize your feelings and just focus on the task at hand. Uh, yes. 
You feel the force flow through you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But also, it's, I mean, this is the only thing that like really marries, matters to Harry is to be connected to this world. So he, there's no other option. He has to do this. Yeah. One of the interesting bits that I, that I liked from reading it was when Harry was walking downstairs and he noticed that all, you know, Lupin and Sirius and Molly and Arthur, they were all there. And he, and the narrator in the voice says, it was almost like they were just waiting for him. And yeah. I, that's how I got the whole like feeling of almost automation where Harry, Harry was just get it, like he was going through it, but it, it was, there was like overwhelm almost like it, it, it kind of ties into what you're saying. It mm-hmm. was just ultra calmness. Yeah. But not like happy or not like. You know what I don't like what? is that Phineas Nigel is black in his blank portrait is sniggering <laughs> at him in the morning. We we don't know that it's him because it's just a blank portrait sure. right now. But like, come on, man. Why are you going to be the worst? <laughs> Why are you going to be like that? Why? <laughs> but yeah, he goes downstairs and we do. We have all these adults who care for him waiting there. But also um, we have the order talking about different things that, you know, part of me feels like, are they just waiting for him? But also this is kind of the meeting place. You know how the kitchen's always where everyone hangs yes. and eats? So we've got Tonks who just came in from the late night shift. Mm-hmm. Um and she's talking about her conversation with Kingsley and Scrimger just being a little nosy Nancy. So I think, yes, they're there to like give a sense of unity and calmness for Harry. But also, I think that that's just where everybody meets. Sure. Uh, and another part portion of like the calmness aspect of it and the like treating it almost as if it was an, any other day. Molly seems to be. Oh, rip- Molly is doing her love language. Yeah, she seems to be rip raring to go. Like, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. Da, 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 da. Harry, do you want bacon eggs? You want this? And Harry just goes, yeah, I'll just, I'll just have toast. Like, I don't know. It just, it's such an odd feeling. I want to know for our friends who, who are listeners, um, in in Europe, how often do you eat kippers for breakfast? What the heck is a kipper? Isn't a kipper a little fish? I have no idea. I think so. Shows you how very little I know about English breakfast. Yeah, it's an iconic British breakfast dish consisting of herring that has been cured via kippering, which is split open, cleaned, salted, and smoked, and then is usually grilled, broiled, or sautéed. So it is straight up fish, but like, see how they're smaller fish? Oh! (laughs) So you like eat their bones and eyes? No, God, please, no! No! No. That's right, Michael. We're not doing that. No! Like some of these things, I don't see eyes and stuff, but some of them I do. Oh, this one. That, oh, at least that one doesn't have bones in it. Oh God, that's horrendous. Yeah. How could at, you eat that for breakfast? I mean, at least this one it just looks like they a got it filet. with egg. Why would you ruin good eggs with that? Because that because it's just extra protein. For oh them. God, no, man, you people over there. Look at there. this kippers with eggs. You guys are wild. The egg is on it. Oh. I mean, let's be real, Blake. When you live on an island, yeah, you gotta eat but fish a lot. What ifs? <laughs> what ifs, man? But it was funny because I was listening to this chapter just again this morning with our kids, and she was going through, do you want porridge? Do you want toast? Do you want bacon and eggs? Do you want kippers? Do you want this? And I was like, do you guys know what kippers is? And they had no idea, and they've listened to this a million sure, yeah. times, and I'm like, oh. I thought kippers was like another different word for like, nope. you know, like English people use that. for like sausage or something, or like, I don't know, you know, you know how they call uh, French fries chips? Yep, I nope. thought I thought that kippers was like nope. uh like home fries. No, Blake, it is home fresh. Oh God. Little, little wee fishes. Oh that is that is 
But this is another way that I think that Molly, as I said, I think it's her love language, acts of service and being there. It's very, very motherly. Um, This is also something she can control. She can control that she took care and put out Harry's nicest clothes, which, by the way, Harry Potter, your nicest clothes include a (laughs) T-shirt? At least in the movie, they gave him a blazer. Right, exactly. Goodness me. like, I would have totally sent an owl or been like, Sirius, can you please rustle up an old jacket yeah. from Regulus's closet or something? Uh, so she's helping smooth it out. She's helping try to brush his unruly hair. And I love just these little bringbacks that we get introduced to, even as much as the first book. And so we get this beautiful, like, her trying to love on him, his messy hair, which, let me tell you, for friends who don't know our little lad, he has Harry Potter hair. Oh, easily. <laughs> There's nothing we can do to keep it nice. But I kind of love that I have Harry to reference. Yeah. So so we've got that. And then we also have, you know, uh, Arthur Weasley, who is just completely enamored with all of the muggle stuff going on the underground, the, the subway train, and counting every single stop along the way because it's just so <laughs> preciously cute. So I love that, like, there's things in this, um, you know, that Harry is used to the muggle world. It's nothing new to him nothing too exciting i loved it especially in the movies you know where he gets to explain it and we get to see um just continuing aspects this is the beauty of reading these books and staying in this magical world and fleshing it out because we have some things old and then we have things new like you were talking about blake we're now introduced to scrimgeour and knowing that he's going to be kind of one of the foes that we're going to have Mm -hmm. going forward so yeah molly loving on him setting him off on his way tonks wishing him well saying you're going to be an amelia Bones' office. It's totally okay. Yep. Lupin giving some good words. Sirius saying, don't be angry. And it's like, <laughs> Sirius, just because that's how you would behave, right. calm down. <laughs> you know, let's have some positive thinking a little bit. <laughs> and what I like too in this chapter is when Harry, is, they're going to the Ministry of Magic and they have to go to the visitor's office. There are some things that happen here between he and Arthur where, like, Arthur's wearing a bomber jacket with pinstripes. Love uh, it. Pants. Like, oh my goodness gracious. The guy has a complete complete misunderstanding of fashion and what and what it means to be like in fashionable for muggles the telephone booth like in and of itself when you think about how the telephone booth being the visitor's entrance yes. into the ministry of magic has become such a huge iconic thing for harry potter like i remember seeing telephone booths and i went to to italy yep. my junior or senior year of college and i was like oh my god we need to get inside of it and pretend we're calling <laughs> the ministry of magic and of course there is a telephone booth in universal right. um um, and I just think it's so cool because it's not a common thing that we see super frequently, just like owls. But it's right. like that is iconic to particularly when a lot of people think about Britain yep. um, and how it's able to be magically used here. So I just think it's pretty neat. You know, just yeah. these things that bring out the I love magic. Well, you literally just stole the words out of my mouth. Because literally? Look you, at you. You, you yeah, are I know. friends. One of Blake and my pet peeves is the word literally. Yes, that's that's a hundred percent true. And it, I mean, really smart people are now using literally. Very yeah. important people. I mean, you hear speech is left and right, and people are using literally all the time. Yeah, when it's not even used in the right sense. But even if it isn't used in the right sense, please get to the thesaurus. So now, whenever we <laughs> use it ourselves, we're like, oh no, we, we fell victim to we, literally we catch it ourselves. You unintentionally stole go. the words out of my mouth. <laughs> a much better word choice. And that, Challenge yourself, listeners. Challenge yourself it to is find a, very a better word challenge. choice instead of literally. Yes. Like even if you say it, stop yourself and be like, mm, what word could I use that's, that's actually great that you bring that up too because one of my uh, tests from my sixth grade English teacher mm-hmm. was she did not like when 
people used the word really? got Ooh. like, oh, I got this. She or I got the you know, I got the poster. Yes. She said, don't use got because mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. Think of a different word than got. Uh, and purchased that, and was given. Right. Yes. Like th- that's one of those lessons that for some reason has always stuck with me. All the way from sixth grade. Like so now it's, it's now the word is literally that yeah, you get to substitute. I know. Love it. Okay. Okay. So. so I'm so happy that you brought that up because each book feels like and seems to have this moment for Harry that we get to discover more about the magical world through Harry's eyes. Mm-hmm. So when he arrives at the Department of Mystery or it's a, the the Ministry of Magic, he sees it through the lens of a Muggle. And then when they make the phone call and they have that super calming voice and the the badge is printed and produced outside of the phone and they have to put it on and they have to uh, register the wand, it's another moment of, I love magic. Mm-hmm. It, and we as readers get to have that same feeling. And it's an important feeling, I think, for all of us to have as we're reading these books, because it's still magical. And there's still also room for us to explore these difficult themes of what is it like to grow up and how do we deal with fame while we're growing up, but also how do we deal with the these extraordinary um, expectations that are thrust upon us in life, right? It, it's yeah. just phenomenal stuff. And I like that we still have this the ability to say, I love magic still. Me too. Right? Especially too. when you get into this chapter, you see the, the, the flying notes and all the silly and weird offices that are involved in the department, uh, in, in, in the Ministry of Magic, like the like the ridiculous um excuses you know whatever it's called i got them all written down here what are they uh oh the department of regulation and control of magical creatures and then we have the goblin liaison office and and then there's um what are the other ones here that that are just so silly oh the the ludicrous patents office you know like (laughs) and the office of misinformation uh that they 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 do that and the muggle worthy excuse office like all these little Mm -hmm. offices that are within the department of uh, i keep saying the department of mysteries within the ministry of magic magic. Mm -hmm. It, it you get a chance to see and explore the world of of magic and wizards but through the lens of someone who's learning all about it but still have that icky feeling mm-hmm. that you get from the that you get from the from um this man i cannot think today my brain is in <laughs> it's friggin- because i told you you can't say the word literally yeah now, now, now i'm all thrown off <laughs> from the stupid statue there you go that's the word i wanted jeez oh my gosh i love you Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I truly loved rereading this chapter. As I said earlier, the fact that the movies did it such justice. You can't help but read this and yes. see it like they should in the movies. They did a wonderful job. And also I'm getting really excited because friends, if you don't know, Universal is creating a new theme park world. And in it, of course, they're putting another chapter essentially of Harry Potter. So they've had uh, Diagon Alley and then they've had Hogsmeade uh, at two different parks. Mm-hmm. And now this next 
next one is going to be Ministry of Magic oh, that's focused. So, cool. so I'm reading this being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just really, really excited for this because it does play a large part in the series. We go back to the Ministry of Magic several times in sure. these books. So it's just, um, I don't know, it's pretty awesome. Another exciting opportunity that this chapter presents is Harry's experience with the department, department, with the Ministry of Freaking Magic, with the Ministry of Magic and the justice system within the wizarding world Mm -hmm. has not been a good experience. No. And this chapter continues that motif. Mm Mm-hmm. But it 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 very specifically impacts Harry. And my question to you, Mary, is why does the Ministry of Magic, why do they do Harry dirty in this chapter? By changing the time and... Because they're trying to do him dirty and they're trying to make him fail and not get to his hearing obviously because yeah. they want him to they want him to disappear they want the rumors of Voldemort to disappear they want Harry Potter with his big mouth to disappear this is just not the publicity that they are going for note to self I just need to put this in there sure uh, when Arthur Weasley is in the telephone booth and he's putting in the numbers the numbers spell out magic what do you mean Oh, the numbers spell out magic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just I got gotcha. you. Fun little fact for oh, you. Oh, look at you. Yeah, look hey. at you. <laughs> All right, Mavi, you got anything else that you'd like to talk about in this chapter? Um, let's see. Of course, Harry, you know, it's it's interesting. They, they say something. Um, I think it's Arthur who says to him, don't worry. You know, this. I see that this is going to be really easy. Anytime there's like a life-threatening thing, we're allowed to use magic. Technically, Dementor sucking your soul isn't necessarily life-threatening. It's just sucking your soul out threatening. So there could be that wiggle room. Mm. Um, so... You know, it just just stinks. And I loved him introducing him to everybody and Harry getting to see yeah. this place. We, of course, um, get the whole thing where you have to register your wand. So yes. that the way the wand uh, is on file in case anything goes wrong. And like, <laughs> this would have been super helpful last book and right. <laughs> all these kind of things. Also, all the proceeds from that fountain that we talked about, the Fountain of Magical Brethren, the proceeds do go to St. Mungo's Hospital for the magical maladies and injuries. And I love that we just keep rest, uh, referencing St. Mungo's. And part of me wishes that somewhere in the series we went we went there a little bit more. Um yeah. It's just referenced so frequently, but maybe that's maybe just like reality you don't really want to spend too much time in a hospital. I so. would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that. And of course Harry says, you know, if I'm not expelled, I'll put 10 galleons in it. <laughs> um, so I just think it's really funny. Um but uh it's just I think it it's really really cute. So right. there you go. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we Mary and I have a hot out tonight. So unless you want to do a different perspective, my love, I would do you want do you want to do one or do you not want to do one right now? Oh, we're gonna we'll be okay with doing one next time. There's actually not tons of people, so that's yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, we had uh, Kingsley Shacklebolt and whatever, but like, yeah. I will say this: I thought that the book did a good job introducing the Ministry of Magic and uh, the, the Department of Mysteries mm-hmm. and the world within the Ministry of Magic. Yes, but I think I liked the way that the movie did it better. Agreed, but that's because 
it can be so visual. Um, but we get to the, the little rooms that you got to talk about, the broom regulatory control, the port key office, the operation test center, like all yeah. these different things we wouldn't necessarily have been able to get or they would have been super quick. Sure. So this is this is still just like fleshing out this magical universe, yes. which I am here for. I am so, so here for. So the Goblin Liaison Office, I mean, everything. Pest right, right. Advisory Bureau. <laughs> oh, my goodness, gracious. Oh, the regurgitating toilets. Oh, the regurgitating oh, toilets. Oh, that was so great when they're Obliviator talking about- Obliviator headquarters. You know, oh, well, you know, you know how when you flush a toilet, it goes down? Well- you know, it kind of went the opposite. And, and, and they have these pranksters who just are just hating on the muggles at Wimbledon. And oh, man, great little bits from the author mm-hmm. that make this feel much more real than just, wee. You know, like it's good stuff. It, this was a good chapter, an interesting chapter. And of course, we end it with Harry and Arthur finding out that they've changed the time and the venue of the hearing. Uh, it starts an hour earlier now, and it's in a completely different place. So just out of control. Just Oh, totally and also notice, too, that they say they haven't used these courtrooms in ages. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it, it's just one of those ones that it's just really old, and they haven't used them because they just haven't needed to. And it makes me think, you know, I, I, thematically, it feels like they're using these courtrooms because we're devolving in time. Like, we're, we're going back to the way that things used to be. You know, during the Wizarding War, let's just say, or during the times when things were just a little less refined. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that, that how that sneaks in there a little bit and gives you a different feeling than you would normally have. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that little detail is there for a reason. And what I would challenge you nerds to do is why is that detail in there for you? Like what, what does that mean to you? And like why make that call out? Other than just cuz, right? I just, I like that idea. Yeah. So, all right, Marvin, you ready to close this bad boy out? I mean, I am because if we can get away before seven, Molly's making meatballs. <laughs> Let's do it. What'd you say? How many meatballs does Molly make? She could have visitors showing up left and right. Oh my goodness. Arthur's just going around telling everybody. Hey, you want some meatballs? Come on over. I love the meatballs my wife makes. I mean, saying it quietly because it's like, oh, let's talk business. Yeah, sure. By the way, meatballs. And they're all like, pumped about the meatballs. Now, you didn't say that we were having kippers. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Oh my God. That is is gross. So sorry, Blake. So sorry for you to feel that way. That's why I can't live anywhere else other than New England. That's it. (laughs) And even then, it ain't Connecticut. You're too much. You're too and I, much. And I'm just barely on the line with Vermont. All right. So, friends, as Blake said, <laughs> we're on a quick, we got to nip this up, uh, but we will be reading emails in the next episode. We appreciate you so incredibly much. Please do not hesitate to take a screenshot of this podcast and drop it in your Facebook or Instagram stories. Tell another friend who's a fan of Harry Potter to check out the podcast. And don't forget to leave us a written review in Apple Podcasts. It is absolutely positively the best way for people to find out about our podcast so we truly appreciate those of you who have already written one if you haven't yet take some time to do it now my name is mary larson my name is blake mischief managed <laughs> <laughs>